2016, there was this mayor from Davao who ran for presidency. Obviously, you know President Duterte. And don't worry, this is, going, this is not going to be a political <laughs> message. But he ran uh, with the slogan of change is coming. Change is coming. And I, I think that worked because he, he was voted into office. And as if prophetically, four years later, change actually happened. Not in the way that President Duterte expected, not in a way that anyone of us expected. In 2020, the whole world changed. So the world really changed, right? It changed a lot. It changed the point that, you know, we are here. We never thought of wearing masks the whole day when we're outside. But in two years, as we struggle through the pandemic, we are longing for this new phrase that we uh, uh, embrace throughout this season. Ano yung, ano yung phrase na yun? We are, we are longing for, we are longing for the new normal. Yan. New normal. But what do you mean by new normal? Well, new normal is actually a different version of the old way of living. It means it's normal now to wear face masks. It's normal now to disinfect your hands. Like you don't, maybe some of us wear, uh, bring alcohol in our bags, but not all. Now it's a normal thing. It's normal now to isolate or to quarantine. Social distancing has become a thing. We never thought about that. And we never thought new normal means booster shots, booster shots from time to time. That's new normal. That's new normal for us. So while while the new normal is, is good, it's something that we are looking forward to. Maybe this is it. It's actually yung term na new normal now has a negative connotation for, for us. It's actually a not a better version of the old way, but really the parang the reduced version of what we have. So when we say new normal now, it's sort of a, a pejorative term. Pejorative meaning it's not really a positive term. So the Bible's version of the new normal is quite different. The Bible's version of the new normal is quite different. And as we look at the second half, of chapter 4 of the book of Ephesians. Uh, we have been going through this series. Apostle Paul challenges these believers to live in the new normal. Live in the new normal. And this new normal is called being transformed 
by the gospel. What does that look like? So basically, the, the whole thing is that the, because of the gospel of Jesus Christ, which we have been going through for, uh, for weeks now, those who put their faith in him now have the freedom and the privilege to live a new life. You have the freedom, you have the privilege to live a new life. But what does it mean for a believer to live a life that is transformed by the gospel? And that's today our, our message. So allow me to answer that uh, question. What does it mean for a believer to live a life that is transformed by the gospel? And let me highlight three things uh, answering this question. Let's talk about the need for a life that is transformed by the gospel. We'll also talk about the process uh, in a gospel-transformed life. And third, we are going to look at the practice of a gospel-transformed life. So the need, the process, and the practice as we look at uh, chapter 4, verses 17 to 32. And what I hope is, um, as we look at this chapter, as we has, have been saying na yung second half ng Ephesians is, is all about uh, how do you practice uh, the gospel. Uh, I hope that this we will have an assessment of what this looks like in our lives today. Okay, let's look at number one first, the need for a gospel-transformed life. The need for a gospel-transformed life. So yes, God loves us. Sinasabi natin yun, God loves me and welcomes me just as I am. You're beautiful just the way you are. But God loves us so much that he does not leave us just as we are. We are transformed. And here, here are some reasons why we need to have this life that is transformed by the gospel why we need this new life. Number one, because the old way of living is depraved. The old way of living is depraved. How was this life, this old life, was described in, this, in our chapter, in our text? It says their thinking is futile, meaning pointless. It's fruitless. Their understanding is darkened. Their hearts are hardened, their habits are indecent. Dun sa translation that you have on screen. Actually, medyo safe pa nga yan eh. Kasi in other translation, it's sensuality. Sensuality. It's impure. It's greedy. You know, from the head, you notice yung, yung, yung what is covered here of the depravity the head, meaning the perspective, the thinking, the, the worldview, the mindset, the heart, yung affections, yung emotions, yung, yung motivation, and even the hands and the habit. Basically, the whole human life is depraved. And in, in our reform tradition, we, we have this doctrine of total depravity. This is what that looks like. It says, it, it means sin has affected every part of our life. 
in the ancient Greek uh, understanding, yung physical life lang ang ang masama, tapos yung soul and the spirit is good. So you get rid of the 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 material things. And then you just focus on the spiritual things. But what this tells us is that our whole life, our head, our heart, our hands, our habit is totally depraved and we are unable to, to bring ourselves out of that mess. And that's why we need a new life. Because the old way of living, and he is, when, when Paul says, you are no longer to live as Gentiles do. Hindi niya sinasabing, wag ka nang maging ethnic Gentile. He is saying, the path that you are living uh, out before you became Christian no longer works. The old normal is problematic. And because it is depraved, part of that depravity is that the old way of living is detached from God. Verse 18, they are darkened in their understanding, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of their heart. You know, this is just a, a rephrasing of what Paul has been saying in chapter 2. In chapter 2, you remember uh, Paul is saying, you rem remember that at once you were alienated from the people, from the covenant community and you were all also alienated from the promise of God and alienated from God having no hope and without God in the world you know the picture that comes to mind looking at these descriptions of total depravity of being detached from God you know the picture that comes to mind zombies zombies and I think there's a, obviously you see that in, in our media, in different uh, platforms, there's a growing obsession about zombies in our, in Netflix, in, uh, in movies, in Hollywood. It's, it's a topic of, uh, of concern and, and stories. I've heard of uh, a school in, in, in the U.S. offering courses on zombie protection. And preparation for the zombie apocalypse. And people were concerned, people were concerned that the vaccine will turn people into zombies. Well, what the text is saying is you don't need vaccine to be zombies. You are actually already living dead. We're living dead. You might say, Pastor, too much naman of a description. I don't, nag-makeup pa nga ako eh. Ano mo sabing zombie? Nag-toothbrush naman ako. Parang grabe naman yung, yung description. Hindi naman ganun ang buhay ko dati. I'm a fairly good person. But let's look at another description that we have heard already in this book. In chapter 2, what's the description of Paul? Paul. Uh, as for you, you were dead in your transgression and sin. 
you're not just depraved, you're not just detached, you're dead in your sin. Because you are following the cravings of sinful nature, following its desires and thoughts, and just like the rest, we were nature, we were, we were, by nature, object of God's wrath. And that's the third reason why the old normal will not work. Because the old way of living is doomed for God's wrath. Friends, this is why Paul is strongly insisting that these believers must leave their old way of living. Our old sinful nature cannot have fellowship with a holy and righteous God. We need the new normal with, with how the Bible uh, describes it because if we continue with our old way of life, it will lead to death. If you say that you are a Christian, it's inevitable that you live a new way of life. Because if not, this is our destiny, that we are object of God's wrath. We are doomed. But here's the good news. 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. Maybe some of you have really colorful past. Maybe some of you are still trying to, to resolve the difficult experience that you've had. If you are in Christ, you are a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. Pastor, naniniwala naman ako dyan eh. Actually, yan yung pinangahawakan ko na verse. Pero matagal na akong kristyano, parang wala pa rin pagbabago yung buhay ko. Kailan ko ba mararanasan yung automatic na ganun, na bago na everything? Well, we need to understand that transformation is a process. It doesn't happen instantaneously. That's why yung, yung transition ni Paul in going back to our passage in verse 20, this is the way, this is your old way of living, but he says in verse 20, that is not the way you learn Christ. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. And to learn Christ implies that it doesn't just automatically happen, it has a process that it goes through. But you don't just graduate from high school, you don't just graduate from college, you don't just get a degree, you go through a process of learning. And so, ano yung proseso of us being changed by the gospel? Let me mention three things. What does this process involve? Number one, it involves putting off our old self. Verse 22, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self. Bakit? It is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. 
because it belongs to your former way of life, it does not have a place in the new normal. So the image here is like removing your old, dirty, worn-out clothes. I remember many years ago, and I think this is still true today, uh, there, are, there are clothes. I, I think you also have your favorite clothes, right? <laughs> that you wear all the time. I have clothes that my wife tries to hide from me. <laughs> but I try to wear, I, 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 I wear it um, as much as I can. Why? Because it, it feels good. It's comfortable. So later on, this was uh, early on in our marriage, um, I, I, I discovered the reason why she's um, hiding it is because it's, it's, it's too small for me. <laughs> I didn't realize I'm getting bigger. So, <laughs> so I thought it's, it still looks nice, it's, I, it's comfortable, but it's really no longer... It doesn't look good anymore. I don't see that. And I need to put that off. You know, friends, there are things in our lives that we need to put off, to remove. There are some content that we need not consume. There are some habits that we need to stop doing. Yes, everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. But like my difficulty in, in my, my default is using my one size smaller shirt. It's difficult to put off our old nature. Why? Why is it difficult to put off our old nature? Because we have worn this clothes for so long, we don't see anything wrong with it. We don't see anything, anything wrong with our thinking. We don't see anything wrong with our habits. We don't see anything wrong with our, our hearts. It feels nice. And because it feels nice, it must be right. We are, we are so accustomed to this nature that it has become our norm. Not only that, the world is saying everybody's doing it anyway. So there's nothing wrong with this. And so that's why it's difficult because inwardly and externally, it's saying that's just fine. Second reason why this is difficult because when we remove these old clothes, we feel exposed. We feel exposed. We feel naked. We feel ashamed. That's the reason why we're wearing these things is because it covers our shame. It justifies our action. And that's what happened to Adam and Eve. When they sinned against God, what did they do? They hid from God and they covered themselves. 
So yes, friends, it is difficult to put off our old nature. But the good news is the process also involves not just putting off our old nature, it also involves putting on new clothes. Putting on new clothes. So verse 24, to put on the new self. So you put off and you put on the new self. It is created to be like God in through righteousness and holiness. How many of you have seen a, uh, a red carpet screening of a Hollywood, Hollywood film or the Oscars? Uh, yung mga interview during the red carpet? Uh, you're familiar with that, right? So yung mga, inter mga nag-i-interview, pag may mga dumadaan ng mga artista, ano yung mga tinatanong sa kanila? Who are you wearing? You know, I find this a re really an, an awkward thing kasi normally you would ask, what are you wearing? <laughs> but they will ask, who are you wearing? It's, it's a, I guess it's a classy thing. Who are you wearing? And the, the, the actors and actresses will say, I am wearing Armani. Yeah. I'm wearing Dolce. Ano pa bang mga, ano, mga designers? Mga bago? Huh? <laughs> I'm, I'm wearing Ukai. <laughs> but normally in Hollywood, you will say the name of the designer. Umabot na nga sa shoes, di ba? Even the shoes, you know, you, you will mention the, the designer, the, the person who designed it. You know, this new nature that we need to put on is designed by God. He's the designer. So we can bear His image. And this image is truly righteous and truly holy. And, and this is where we find it uncomfortable. We, we find it, uh, we, we are uneasy with this. We, this feels awkward. We struggle with the issue of holiness and righteousness because we say, that's not me, pastor. That's not me. It doesn't fit me. The new clothes that God has designed does not fit me. That's not for me. You know, that's because Righteousness and holiness is not something we create for ourselves. It is God's design for you. It's God's design for me. And because of Jesus, we are made righteous. We are made holy. So this new nature, characterized by righteousness and holiness, was designed to fit you. It was tailor-made for you. Yes, you did not do it. You did not design it yourself, but it was made for you. And it was made at a cost, at the cost of your Savior on the cross. And so, we need to put off our old nature, but it does not stop there. The process, 
The second part is to put on the new na nature. Lastly, there's a third part in the process, a crucial middle part that bridges the process together. What's that? In verse 23, to be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Sa New Living Translation, let the spirit renew you. Do you notice the difference of this third part of the process than the first two? Do you notice the difference? Yung first two is something that the believer is actively engaged in. He is, the, the believer is the one doing it. This one, this third part of the process is something that happens to a believer. Yung, yung first part is to put off. Yung second part is to put on. But what bridges the gap is to be, to be renewed. What does this mean? It means that the process of change in the life of a Christian is not solely dependent in the hands of a Christian. The work of the Holy Spirit is a crucial part of the process. So consider yung ang tawag natin dito sanctification, the sanctifying work of the Spirit. Consider the work of the Spirit as the shower between putting off your old clothes and putting on your new nature. What's the point of putting off your old clothes and putting on your new clothes if you did not take a bath in the middle? This means that the process of gospel transformation is both the spiritual work of God and the intentional work of the believer. This is where in our salvation, there's, we don't participate in any way, but in our sanctification, there's an active participation. And in participation, natin, we put off our old nature. We, we kill sin. Yun ang tawag doon, mortification of sin. And then we put on our new nature. Ang tawag doon, let me just give you, you know, big words so you, if you encounter it, you know what that means. So yung putting off is mortification of sin. Yung putting on is vivification of sin. Uh, sorry, vivification of life. So you kill sin, sabi nga ni John Owen, be killing sin or sin be killing you. Then you have vivification. You know, the challenge is, as believers, we try to wear new clothes without removing our old clothes. It does not work, friends. You know, in, in the gospel, there's this story of a friend of Jesus he raised to life. You remember what his name is? Lazarus. So Lazarus is a close friend of Jesus. He died. Actually, Jesus learned about Lazarus. Hindi pa siya patay. He was just sick. Ano sabi ni Jesus? Let's stay a few more days. Essentially, what he's saying, I'll let my friend die. 
And then when he arrived in Bethany, the, the two sisters, Mary and Martha, they're grieving, obviously. Lazarus is already dead a few days. Days na. Sabi ni Martha, if you were only here, hindi sana namatay yung kapatid namin. And so long story short, uh, Jesus went to the tomb. Sabi ni, ni Martha, Lord, pag binuksan mo yung tomb, may amoy na yan. And that's, that's our smell, by the way. That's, that, that's the smell of a dead person. We stink. But open the, open the, the tomb. And what did Jesus say? Lazarus, come out. Lazarus, come out. And Lazarus came out. The end. Was it? In John 11, did Jesus not say anything else after raising Lazarus to life? What else happened? Sabi ni Jesus, Unbind him. Set him free. You know, friends, many of us have been raised to life, but we are still wearing grave clothes. We're still wearing our old nature's clothes. Yes, we are like Lazarus raised to life, but we are still wrapped by our funeral clothes. And so we must be set free. We must be unbound. We must experience this process of transformation, of putting off our old nature, putting on our new nature, and allowing the Spirit to renew our mind. But pastor, what does that look like in the date today life of a Christian. Anong itsura nito when I experience the process of uh, transformation in, in my life? Ano, ano ang uh, itsura nito when I encounter people? Well, thankfully, Apostle Paul answers that question for us by giving us the practice of gospel transformation. And this is where, uh, this is our third point. We see this in verse 25 to 32, the practice of gospel transfer, transformation. Anong itsura nito in our lives? Well, this is not an exhaustive list, but perhaps these are issues that the church had to deal with in Ephesus, but it gives us an idea what needs to be normalized in the body of Christ. Number one, we need to normalize speaking truthfully as opposed to falsehood. Verse 25, therefore, having laid aside falsehood, each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor. Speaking the truth means saying the hard things. Speaking the truth means being honest and not sugarcoating it. Because we are members of one another. We need to normalize speaking truthfully. Second, we need to normalize gracious confrontation. Be angry, verse 26 says, and do not sin. 
So, pwede naman palang magalit. Anger is not the sin, but it can be a cause for a sinful life. On one extreme, someone is always angry. That leads to road rage or laging may sinisigawan. But on the other extreme, which I think is more common in our culture, in our non-confrontational culture, we don't address anger properly. It shows instead of a gracious confrontation, you know what? You know, ang mas madalas sa atin sa mga Pinoy, we are passive aggressive. We show our anger in a uh, in a passive aggressive way, hoping hoping that someone who hurt us will get the point. And when he gets he doesn't get the point, we became we become even angrier. So instead of passive aggressiveness, instead of rage. Let's normalize gracious confrontation in the life of the church. Do not let the sun go down on the cause of your anger. This does not, hindi ito nagbibigay ng, ng deadline. Nagbibigay ito ng urgency. Because if you don't address anger, it builds up. It builds up. And when it builds up, Verse 27 happens. Do not give the devil an opportunity to rule your life through that anger. Third practice. Let's normalize generosity versus selfishness. The one who steals, verse 28 says, must steal no longer. Instead, he must labor doing good with his own hands so that he will have something to share with the one who has need. I'm trying to imagine, y yung church ba na ito, yung Ephesus, meron bang, meron bang magnanakaw dun sa, sa congregation nila? That's why Paul needed to say that. Well, well stealing is getting something that's not your own. Have you taken something that's not your own? Why did you do that? It's very likely that you felt that you deserve that thing. And so instead of that, instead of this feeling deserving to, to, to get this something that's not, not my own, let's give, let's give something to others. The encouragement here is not just to stop getting things, but to also start sharing what you have. So normalize generosity instead of selfishness. Number four, normalize constructive conversation. Normalize constructive conversation. Verse 29, you must let no unwholesome word come out of your mouth, but only what is beneficial for the building up 
of the one in need, that it would give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. You know, this does not mean, friends, this does not mean na kapag mag, magkakwentuhan ang mga Christians, it's always going to be polite. Or it's going to be sugar-coated things. It means if there are things in our lives that will just cause destructive behavior or division, we'd rather talk about things that will build each other up. And this is the context because people talk about you know grieving the Holy Spirit. Well, this is the context of grieving the Holy Spirit. It is in the context of the people of God building each other up. Remember, the church is called to build each other up as it speaks the truth in love. Yun yung natutunan natin last week. And the church is where the Spirit of God dwells. So when the body is actively and constantly tearing each other down, the Holy Spirit is grieved. And you know what? I think it's not, not far to say there's a lot of grieving the Holy Spirit happening in the body of Christ. Because instead of building each other up, we tear each other down. No, friends, we must be in the habit of building more bridges than walls. This church, Cornerstone Reformed Church Makati, is not able to reach the whole city. There are people called by God to be here, but not all people will be here. Not all types of people will be here. If we really want a gospel renewal in our city and in our lives, if we want to see Christ exalted in our city, we need the help of others. We need the help of others. So, friends, the Christian community ought to be a place where people notice there's a different way of life in that community. That there's a way of life that is far different than the culture around it. Look at that list again. What's more normal in our culture? Is it speaking truthfully or sharing fake news? What's more normal in our culture? Is it confrontation or passive aggressiveness? What's more normal in our culture? Is it every man for himself or sharing what, what we have to others? What's more normal in our culture? Is it, is it really constructive conversation? Or we tear each other down. That's the norm of the world we live in. And that's why the practice of a transformed life happens in a community that is called by God. Because we show a different type of ethics in the world. And it is so compelling 
that people are drawn to it. There's something different with this community. There's something different. The last, we need to normalize kindness and forgiveness versus retaliation. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. You know, the church can be kind towards one another and forgive one another because that's what we experience in Christ. You know, we are at a stage in our life together that I would call this the honeymoon phase. Well, everything is nice and sweet and polite. There will come a time that we will hurt one another. That is a guarantee. That's the life of the church. And so when that happens, remember this verse. Remember this verse to be kind to one another. To be gentle with one another. To forgive one another. Not because they deserve it, but because that's what you experience in Christ. How long will we practice this, Pastor? How long will we do this? Well, to live in this new normal, called a Christian life transformed by the gospel is a lifelong journey. This is a lifelong journey. It will only end in two ways. Either you die or Christ returns. And so until that happens, there will be ups and downs in the process of your transformation. There will be times you feel so, wow, I'm, I'm, I'm a really good Christian. And there will be times that you will say, am I Christian at all? So in those in-between moments, where do you find the strength to carry on? Where do you, where do you see the, the, the power to sustain you through the process of transformed lives. Do you look around? Do you look around at other Christians and say, I want to copy what he's doing? And that could work for a certain period. If you, if you look around and look for someone, I want to copy him. When that person fails, you will also fall apart. When you look around and say, well, I'm a better Christian than my seatmate, you'll feel good about yourself. So looking around may not be the good idea, 
I'll just look inside, Pastor. I'll just look inside. I'll look inside my heart and learn to love myself. What do you see inside your heart? The heart is deceitful above all things. That will not sustain you. So when looking around will not help and looking inside will not help, I have a better suggestion. Look to the cross. That's where lasting and real transformation happened. Look to the cross because at the cross, Jesus was exposed, shamed. And in his naked stature, he was actually wearing something. You know what he's wearing? All our old nature. It was on him. And you know what's hap also happening? His nature of holiness and righteousness was given to you. Jesus at the cross was exposed and shamed so that you and I will wear his clothes of righteousness forever. And so let me end with this verse from Apostle Paul as well. In Galatians 2.20, he says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So the life I now live in the body, I live because of the faithfulness of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Friends, may the cross be bigger and bigger in our lives. And as we continue to look to the cross, that's the power we, we find that will sustain us in this new normal. Let's pray. God, we thank you that you not only blessed us, you not only saved us, adopted us into your family, united us with fellow believers, you also caused us to be changed. Thank you, Lord, that this is not something that we do on our own, but through the power of the Spirit. Lord, help us. Be patient with the process of your sanctification in our lives. Help us practice the habit of growing in our sanctification. Lord, we cannot do this in, on our own individually. Allow this community be a place where our transformation is real, where our transformation is seen, and where our transformation is celebrated. Lord, we long to be a community where a new ethics, a new code of conduct is seen by the world, not for our, not for our, our own benefit, but for your glory. Lord, help us till you return or you call us home to stand in the power of Christ. Help us look to the cross and find our transformation there. 
In Christ's name we pray. Amen.